0: If you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and if you grabbed one of the Bibles on the way in, it's page 916, 916, if you want to turn to that, and if you need a Bible, be our guest, take it, you uh, need one for yourself, or you need one for someone else, be our guest to take that, okay, and the kids already made their escape, so we're good, we're good, all right, so the book of Acts, living in... victory, victory through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the, all right, you got that part, all right, good, we'll settle for that, we'll settle for that, all right, got to do the B-I-B-L-E song, do something like the kids earlier, come up with a way to remember all this, but no matter what we are facing, the book of Acts is about that we can still live in victory. Through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter how crazy things get in the world. Doesn't matter how things get crazy in our country. Doesn't matter what's going on in our life. We can still live in victory and in, and, and in the Holy Spirit's power. And that's what it's all about. And the title for today is You Are Right Where God Wants You. You are right where God wants you. And I'll connect the dots at the very end to that, Okay. Acts 9, 19 to 31. Now, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> we commissioned Joshua and Tatiana, right? And, and they went to the Princeton Christ, Christian Church at Newtown, and it's going great. They're having a, a, off to a great start. They love the church and love the people. Today, at the end, we're going to commission Matthew and Juliana, all right? Because they have, uh, they're heading out after today to Heritage Baptist Church in Flemington. They're going to be on staff there. So we'll be commissioning them at the end. And, and as we went through the last few months of their whole uh, candidating with the church and getting to know the church, and, and all, the last step in the process was each of them had to go and preach at the church. They had to preach. And then after they preach, the people vote whether they want them or not. And it went well, so they must have done all right because both of them got voted in and it went well. But imagine if after they preached, Josh or Matthew, if after they had preached, some folks got so mad they tried to kill them. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Maybe they wouldn't have wanted to hire them then if, if say people wanted to try to kill them after their sermons, right? And yet, that's exactly what we're going to see happens to Paul today. Now I know it's Saul still. Some at some point in Acts it's going to transition to Paul, but uh, I'm going to stick to the. We're just going to use the word Paul for his name because some of you might doze off and wake up and think we're in the Old Testament or something. So, so anyway, so we're going to just uh, we're going to just stick to Paul, okay? But this is exactly what happens to Paul when he starts his ministry. It, it was crazy. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the kids uh, singing about the B-I-B-L-E, how important that is, and that is everything. We thank you, Father, that each one of us is either here or, or watching or listening, because we know there's a purpose. And I pray that each of us would move forward in our faith. Some would put their faith in Jesus and become Christians. Other, all the rest of us would take a step forward in our faith, following Jesus Christ. We pray that in his name. Amen. Okay, so let's read it here, Acts 9, verse 19, and this is the last time I'm going to have trouble reading, because next time I'll be able to read, no problem, right? Pray, pray for me, pray for me. All right, all right, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, remember, last time we saw how he was converted. Saul was converted, uh, the dramatic conversion, you know, bright light, bright light, you know, right? And he he becomes a Christian. Verse 21, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc? In Jerusalem, among those who call on his name, and hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch. On the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. How to win what's that? How to win friends and influence people? Paul wrote that book, right? All right, here we go. They were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So, wow, what a story, huh? The hunter becomes the hunted. The persecutor becomes the persecuted. It reminds me of the book, remember years ago when I was a teenager, The the, the Persecutor, the book The Persecutor? Some of you remember that? Sergi Kourtikov? He was, remember, if you haven't ever read that, it's still worth going, getting the book and reading it. It's a fascinating story. But Sergi worked for the KGB and the USSR, and his job was to persecute the Christians, and boy did he ever. He went after them, and oh, they tortured people. Just the stories he told. But what happened? He saw how the Christians handled it, and he started to wonder about Jesus, and he finally becomes a Christian. The the persecutor, this guy was murdered and tortured, and oh, did horrible things as a Christian. Became a Christian, and then, the KGB came after him, and they came after him, and he finally escaped to the USA. But they were, guess what? They were here, too. What a shock. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to joke about open borders. But anyway, they got across, and, and uh, I'm just kidding. So, but he got, he, the KGB was all over the U.S., and he was being hunted here. And he warned everybody. He said, listen, I just want everybody to know, it's going to look like I committed suicide, but I didn't. I just want everybody to know. He told the church, the church that and he went around speaking, and he said, it's gonna, they're going to make it. And sure enough, he committed suicide. Yeah, Wink, wink, right? They got to him here. They killed him here, and and but that is a tremendous story, uh, how of really a modern day Saul becoming a Paul, a wild story. But that's what happened with Paul here, and so we see that. Uh, well, read verses nineteen. Start with verse nineteen again. I'm going to just do the first beginning part here. Verse nineteen. Um, Page. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name, this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by Proving that Jesus is the Christ, after many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. So Paul is a brand new believer, yet at once he begins to witness, he begins to preach at once, powerfully, amazing, and he ticks off the Jews. Now, these are, when you see the word Jews in, in the New Testament, they're not talking about the Jewish people. Paul was a Jew. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, was a Jew. They, they're not talking about, they used the term for the religious leaders that were against Jesus. That's what the term the Jews were. It's not against the Jewish people. It's, it was just using that title for the religious leaders. Saul was one of the Jews. And now he has become a Christian Jew, right? So that's just so you understand how that's used, okay? But they set, the, the Jewish religious leaders set a trap, and, but Paul escapes through a hole in the wall through a basket, all right? Uh, talk about hanging on the end of your rope, right? He's hanging on the end of the rope on the basket. What does that remind us of? Book of Joshua, Rahab and the two spies, right? Same picture, same story, just like that, right? Uh, this is often, though, what happens to new believers. You remember when you became a Christian? You first become a Christian, you're excited, and you witness to everyone. You witness to your family, right? Your family, you're telling everybody, your family and friends, for those who don't watch uh, the, new, the, the commercials. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> and, they, and, and when you witness to your family, they just love it, Right? Your friends just love it. They're so excited for you. Oh, this is great! Tell us more, right? That's what they. No, they're shocked. Who is this guy? Did he join a cult? You know, is it's an alien take over his body? You know, any minute something's going to explode out of your chest. Yeah, they're they're just like thinking, what is going on to this person? I don't know this person anymore. And after they get over the shock, then they start to attack you, right? And when that doesn't work, then they start to shun you all right that now it doesn't happen with every person but many family members and many friends it does happen with not all god opens some hearts but it, it does happen and and it's it's and sometimes it's because we have to learn some tact we can come on too strong right we we learn our tact but even when we start being more tactful they still reject what we're saying right they still reject what we're saying. It doesn't change. Uh, they, they shut us out just the same. Yet we still need to remember that fire that we had when we first became a Christian. And we want to tell everybody we have to remember that that, we're, that original fire and the witness like that. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans twelve eleven, where he says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord never be lacking in that zeal we should keep that same excitement that same zeal that we had but poor paul has to escape from his his uh you know the 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 jewish religious leaders there So he heads to Jerusalem, and in verse 26, look what happens. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So even the believers are rejecting him. The enemies don't like him, and and the body of Christ is afraid of him, and, and not without cause. Who could blame us, right? He was a terrorist, right? He was a terrorist. He was scary. He killed a lot of people, tortured a lot of people, uh, put a lot of people in prison. He was scary. They probably thought it was a trick or a trap to pull people in and find out who the real Christians are, right? But thankfully, Barnabas was still in Jerusalem at this time. Most of the Christians were getting out of there. Barnabas was still there. And look what happens with Barnabas in verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So thankfully, uh, Barnabas is there. Now remember Barnabas from Acts chapter 4? What was his real name? Anybody remember? Joseph. Joseph was his real name, but they nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, son of encouragement. Very good. Because he was a very encouraging guy. Remember, he was selling stuff and giving stuff and helping everybody. Paul needed an encourager, didn't he? He needed an encouragement. He will keep on needing encouragement because he's going to get attacked a lot as we go throughout the book of Acts. He will end up teaming up with Barnabas. He'll end up teaming up with him. God does the same thing for us, doesn't he? Remember when you became a Christian and you just needed some encouragement? And God sent that person... Along or, or when we, we're getting beat up in our life and God sends some encouraging person to us, an encourager. Now, we should all be encouraging, right? That's what we should all be. We're the body of Christ. But some people have been given a special gift of encouragement. Did you know that? Some people have a special gift of encouragement. Romans 12, 6. Romans 12, 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. If it is encouraging, let him let him encourage. And so encouragement is, also, is actually a special gift. And, and there's lots of different folks in the body of Christ that have this gift, and they just seem to always encourage you whenever, whenever we need it. And, and there's several people in the church, but I'm just going to pick one out. Uh, the person that really jumped to my mind was Lynn Quigley. Lynn Quigley has the gift of encouragement. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Just when you need it, right? And there's several, there's lots of different people, but I just, you know, there, I could name several different people, but, but Lynn, whenever, you know, after a sermon, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be like, you know, I'm, ooh, that was a hard one to preach, encouraging, or you're down, or something happens, always encouraging. She has the gift. And so we all should be encouraging, but God sends that encouraging person when we need it, right? When we need it. And it's a good thing Paul got some encouragement, because look what happens next. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 29. Look what happens next. You talk about needing encouragement. Let me turn my pages. Again. My eyes are going to be better next time. They're going to be better. All right, here we go. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea, and sent him off to Tarsus. So he had to escape again, right? He, 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 has, he preaches and he escapes again. Every time he preaches and witnesses, he gets attacked. He gets his life threatened. And this is prophetic. Now, remember, Jesus already said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Remember what he told to Ananias. Jesus told Ananias to go pray for him and get the scales off his eyes. I will show him how much he will suffer. That was prophetic. And this is prophetic. It's it's a pattern. This is a a picture, a prophetic pattern of Paul's ministry. God was preparing him for what he was going to have to face. He's going to have to face this. Uh, God does that with us, doesn't he? When he, he prophetically prepares us, he shows us what we're going to have to face. He prepares us for it. Uh, I know when I was uh, when I was in ministry, I was at a church, and there was a. I was in Connecticut. I was in Connecticut with that church, and I was doing my licensing process which leads to ordination you start this process where you meet with the pastors and they ask you hard questions and and it's in you know theological questions and ministry practice questions they ask you a lot of questions and they're going through all this stuff and all of a sudden while we're, I'm meeting with these like five pastors and the senior pastor was there and they're asking me all these hard questions and I'm answering them all perfectly and uh and uh, and, and all of a sudden the secretary is at the door of the meeting room and there's a woman with her and she's not knocking on the door. We're like, what is she doing? We're in a meeting. She knows we're in a meeting, but she's like, open the door. She was, this was, oh, there must be a crisis. Senior pastor gets up, opens the door, and this lady barges in, barges in. She is mad. She is mad. And she said, all right, who did it? Who did it? You know, she's like freaking out. We didn't even know who this person was. She goes, "Who? My daughter visited the youth group last night, and and someone talked about abortion and had the nerve to tell her it was wrong." She was livid, livid, livid. And uh, and, uh, and I'm like, "Well, I'm the youth pastor." I said, "Who did she come with?" I don't. There's a, a lot of kids, right? I go, "Who'd she come with?" She said, "Oh yeah, I remember her. Yeah, I remember her. I met her. Yep, that was me. That was me." And then she freaks out at me, just like going after me screaming 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 right uh and and i said listen there were there were over a hundred kids there my youth group was bigger than our church here you know there was over a hundred kids there i can't possibly know what would offend one of them uh by the way she didn't seem offended to me but i can't uh, and i told her she didn't seem upset but because she was you know you know, convicted, anyway, uh, but I I can't possibly know what would offend each one, so I just teach the Bible, that's what I do, and she said, well, you should know where each one is coming from, each one is coming from, so you won't upset them, and I said, uh, and so I was like, uh, well, why did you let her come if you thought she might be upset, she goes, because I didn't know where she was, I didn't know where she was. And I, uh, oh, oh, that was too easy for me. And I said, so you expect me to know where hundreds of kids are coming from, and, and, but when you don't even know where your daughter is, your one daughter is. Well, that, that, uh, that calmed things down. <laughs> Not... Nah her hair was on fire after that whoa she was like you know and, you know but it was too easy right she threw me a softball anyway uh then so the pastor stepped in well why don't we just talk about this another time and he escorted her out and he's you know i could see him trying to tell her yeah yeah he's he's crazy but he's a good youth pastor but he's crazy yeah. so anyway they uh they it come uh you know he comes back in and and i said okay uh where were we what's the next question and the, the guys were like, Oh, no, no, this is too traumatic for you. We can't keep going with these questions. Uh, no, no, this is too much. We'll, we'll just come back another time, another time. I go, I go, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just what's the next question? And he go, Well, I never forget the one that they were all like traumatized. I remember the guy, Well, I'm not okay. No, I'm not. We're not okay. No, we need to take the day off. We got to get, get recovered from this. You know, they were like so traumatized by this. Event, you know, which and and, and the pastor. Dave and I, the senior pastor and I, we were like, well, we're used to this. You know, we do lots of ministry <laughs> in hot places. And, and we, we, we were both like, well, we're kind of used to it. You know, you know, I, I go, we were like, you know, the bus ride with the inner city back and forth is worse than this every time we take a bus ride. You know, you know, a hundred kids on the bus going nuts. Right. Uh, and it was the intermission was crazy. I tell you some stories that I remember the one time this happened like every week. One of the kids came up and he went wanted something the other kid had got more cookies than he did something like that and I was like it was always something ridiculous and I was like uh, just live with it you're not getting another cookie you know we're out you know he goes and he goes <gasps> and he goes I'll be back in a minute and he comes back and he goes I just got off the phone my brother's coming he's gonna shoot you you know and I, and I said okay good fine tell me when he gets here and I just kept on going you know and one of the moms who was helping with this ministry she said aren't you scared? I go, they tell me they can shoot me every week. What the heck, you know? And he's like, he goes, wow, you're a cool cookie. I go, I can't hide in my office. Every time one of these kids say they're going to kill me, I'd never come out of it, you know? And so, but, that, but so anyway, it, we were just used to craziness, right? And so the, the, one, of the, one of the pastors, I'll never forget, he said, I don't know what God's preparing you for, but for you to be able to handle this, you're going to be in a lot of spiritual battles. Some of you remember 21 years ago. We have had lots of spiritual battles, but 21 years ago, right? Policemen in the services, three months. A lot of you remember that, right? It was crazy, and it never really did stop. It's the hatred is just still sees. It's still there, but it's just under, underneath a little bit, a small layer of veneer, and it's constant in our community. It's constant toward me. Cam, although people respect us, love us, but there's still this this hatred you know, waiting to rupture all over. And now we're seeing the world's hatred rupture all over this country, aren't we? We're seeing the hatred rupture all over the USA today toward Christians, real Christians. Evangelical Christians are now public enemy number one. Open season. Say whatever you want. Threaten whatever you want. No problem. No problem. That's what we're seeing, and yet so many pastors and Christians today, their whole goal is to not offend somebody, to not upset somebody. Pastors, their whole goal, and Christians going through life, don't. Their whole goal is not to offend, but Paul upset everybody, and yet he was preaching the word. He was sharing the gospel in the spirit the holy spirit was leading him he was doing it in the spirit and that's what happens when you preach faithfully in times of apostasy when you live out your faith in times of apostasy when that happens you're going to get you're going to get hit that's what happens. You know, a lot of us look back at the Great Awakening with Whitfield and Wesley, and it was an awesome time. I've read lots of books. The, everybody talks about church, Christians, church. The, the Great Awakening, the Great Awakening. We just need another, another Great Awakening. Listen, the Great Awakening was brutal. In England, in the USA, there were riots constantly, they stoned the guys preaching. Wesley and Whitfield were threatened and attacked and thought they were going to be killed over and over again. Did you know that? Constant riots. They finally had to go to court to stop it. It had to be a big court case to stop it. It was crazy because nobody was in fort. They were just letting them riot. Does that sound familiar? Just letting them do it. No, no consequences. Uh, they, as long as they were attacking Christians, it was okay. Sound familiar to anybody here? And, and so, uh, so it wasn't until much later, at the end of the Great Awakening, that, that, that there was a transformation in the United Kingdom and in the USA. And that's when things calmed down. At the end of the Great Awakening, and then from then on for quite a while. And speaking of calming it down, look how this chapter ends in in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea and Galilee enjoyed a time of peace. I need the next verse. (laughs) I'm uh, going to have to look it up. Uh, then the church shot Judea and Geli enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened, I'm getting it, and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Am I getting it right? It was strengthened, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Living in the fear of the Lord. Uh, that That is what happened after Paul was tucked away and sent off again. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Why? Because Saul was no longer persecuting it. He had become Paul. And Paul was no longer there. They sent him off on a boat ride. He went on a cruise. Things calmed down after that. And... and there's that that's why it calmed down and god gives the church we're going to see here god gives the church a persecution break a break from the persecution its going to come again. There's another wave coming, but he gives them a persecution break and and he gives them an r and R, a a time of R&R before they go back into the battle. And that's so often what God does for us when we're facing persecution, when we're going through trials, when we're going through hard times. Isn't that what God does with us? He gives us a break. He gives us time to catch our breath. Now catch your breath. Okay, now get back in there again, right? He gives us time to solidify the growth, our spiritual growth or the growth in our church or the churches. He gives us that time. It's like a coach. If you've ever been in a sport and you've had a couple really hard practices and then you have a couple really hard games and everybody's all beat up and there's injuries and, and you're, everybody's exhausted, what does the coach often say? Take the day off. Gives you a day off to let you catch your breath, to get, your, you know, get some strength back again, to get over that. And that's what God, the Holy Spirit does here for the church. Okay? Let's connect some dots. Let's connect some dots to our lives. And to the title, you are right where God wants you to be. Remember that now. This is going to make sense why I called it that. You're right where God wants you to be. You might be under attack right now for your faith for your faith you might be under attack right now attack for your faith you might be going through a trial or trial after trial even though you're really trying to follow god but trial after trial hitting you and so often when that happens what do we think we're getting attacked for our faith we're getting attacked you know we're going through trials what do we think what am i doing wrong isn't that what we often think what am i doing wrong what what god what what I got to change what am I doing wrong? but just the opposite may be true in fact in an, a, times of apostasy in the apostate u s a we are we are not just post christian we 're in apostasy, not just in the culture but the church is an apostasy, and in times of apostasy in the apostate u s a today if you 're getting attacked you 're probably doing something. Right. And if you're not getting attacked, you're probably not doing something right. Right? Isn't that true? Maybe you are like Paul. Imagine what he felt like. I just become a Christian. They try to kill me. I got all these escapes. I'm the Harry Houdini of, of ministries. Right? And you're, you might be like, Paul, you're feeling pretty beat up. Feeling pretty beat up. You're sharing your faith or you're living faithfully and you're feeling beat up. Anybody feel like that? <laughs> mm-hmm getting getting attacked if you're getting attacked be encouraged because that is proof if you're getting attacked for your faith and for living faithfully if you're getting pressured and attacked that is proof be encouraged that is proof that you're really living for jesus christ and i did this first last week and i hope you memorize it second timothy three twelve. in fact Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that's a fact. And I'm talking about an apostate area. We're an apostate country. If you're going to live for Jesus Christ, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You will be persecuted persecuted. And if we're not being persecuted, <laughs> well, probably in the wrong church. Anyway, or uh, you got to go visit one of those woke churches, right? Because we should all be feeling the pressure if we're living for Jesus Christ. Or if we're going through trials. Anybody going through a trial? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. All right. Anybody going through a trial? And And you're tired? Anybody tired in your trial? Or you feel like you're at the end of your rope, right? You know, if you feel like you're in a basket on the wall dangling on the end of your rope, just like Paul was, be encouraged by Paul. If you feel that way, be encouraged by Paul, because trials are proof that coach Jesus is working on our life. It's proof that we're being grown spiritually, that he's preparing us for something, just like Paul was prepared. In fact, Paul, look at what he wrote in Romans 5, 3 to 5. You don't think he wrote this from experience? Romans 5, 3 to 5, not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that our suffering is developing perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Suffering is producing spiritual growth. Spiritual growth, but and here's an encouragement: like Paul, though we got to go through it. What grows us more than the suffering? Nothing. We got to go through it spiritually. God lets us catch our breath, but there is an escape plan. Just like Paul kept escaping, there is an escape plan. There is a there is a goal line. You're running that race, you know. Uh, well, Hebrews 12, when it talks about uh, the, uh, run the race set out for us, the agony, the word in Greek is agony. There is, it's tough. It's tough, the race, but there is a finish line. When the purpose is fulfilled for that trial, there's an escape. God will stop it. He will provide a way out. James 1, 2 to 4 says the very thing. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wow. Right. Remember PJ? We've done this sermon several times. What's your PJ? Your personal joy. Right. Consider it your pure joy. What person? What what event? What in your life? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hear that? It must finish its work. Then, then the, you're mature and complete. You're not lacking anything. That's when the trial stops. And in the meantime, God will send you encouragement. He will send you encouragers. They, he, will, he will make sure that you get the, we get the encouragement we need from a Barnabas. Get, do you know what I'm talking about? How many times has a Barnabas come our way just at that right time when we really needed it? And he calls all of us to be an encourager, doesn't he? Even if we don't have the gift, we can still encourage one another, loving one another. He, he, he calls us to that. Are we looking constantly looking for people who we can encourage, people who need our encouragement? Are we looking for that? And they're everywhere, aren't they? They're here. We're here, they're here, they're everywhere. It, what do people in the USA today need more than anything today? Some hope and some encouragement, right? Kim was on the phone recently, and she was talking to someone she never talked to before about something, they were, she was setting something up, and the person went ballistic on her, just like freaked out, freaked out. And it turns out this person was under tremendous stress, and figured Kim was like everybody else and was going to try to squeeze her over something, right? And when Kim was going to try to, well, anyway, when Kim was starting to talk to her a little bit and question her a little bit and and say, no, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm with you on this, you know, and, and you know, and, I, and she was like, the little woman melted. Oh, it's so nice to talk to someone who gets it and understands what I'm going through. And And this person had been through so much cancer and all kinds of things and all kinds of stuff. And, and, and. That's what that was such she was telling me. She goes, people are just ready to break. They're at the breaking point. Exploding point. And we we need to remember, let's not freak on the freaks. Right? They're freaking out. Don't freak out too. Let's not freak out on the freaks, right? We they need what do they need? Grace. It's hard though, isn't it? But they need grace. They need grace. And maybe you are here today, and you need grace. Maybe you're breaking. You're listening to this, watching this, and you are breaking because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're still a Saul. You haven't become Paul yet. You have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but God is breaking you. He's bringing you to your knees to come to the cross. He's showing you that you need Jesus Christ. And he's doing this to bring you to healing, to bring you to salvation, to give you real life. And you can have that by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the cross is all about. John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Has there ever been a time that you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you've believed on him? The word believe isn't intellectual. It's the, the belief of the heart. It means to completely put your trust in, to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's what that word means. Have you ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever come to the cross and said, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me, to pay for my sin, to take my shame, so that I could have a relationship with God, your father? that he could become my father because you have sacrificed yourself in my place. You have died for me, washed away my sin by the blood of Jesus Christ and given me brand new life. By your resurrection from the dead, you have given me a brand new life. I put my faith in you. Have you ever taken that step of faith? Let's pray. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You may be praying that prayer in your heart right now. You may be believing in Jesus this very moment for the first time. The Holy Spirit may be giving you the faith to trust in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, right now. The simple prayer of faith. God, I repent of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith in your heart, then the Holy Spirit has come inside of you. The Spirit of Jesus is in you, and has just made you a brand new person, a new creation. The old has gone; the new has come. You will you will never be the same. Just like Saul became Paul, just like so many of us became shocking new people to the people who knew us before, our family. You will never be the same. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have someone here you could tell or or someone at home or a family member or a friend or work colleague, somebody that's already a Christian. Tell somebody because you are going to need a Barnabas. You're going to need encouragement. And the body of Christ can give that to you. And for those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we sharing our faith? Are we living out our faith? Is there proof of that by how the world is responding to us? Father, I pray for every one of us. Sometimes we get so discouraged by the world and the attacks and the lies and the deception. and It's just so upsetting and hard to see. And yet, Lord... I pray that we would be encouraged. Every one of us here who's living for you would be encouraged. Encouraged, not discouraged, but encouraged because we realize that for, for our hearts to be grieved by the sin and the garbage, for us to be under these attacks, that means that we're following Jesus, that we're growing spiritually. I pray that we would persevere in that. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.